0: Welcome to the Real Talk with Dana podcast. I'm your host, Dana Monsi's licensed dietitian, nutritionist, and body image coach. On this show, you'll learn how to listen to and trust your body instead of trying to control it. We'll dig into the healing power of nutrition from a non-diet, weight-inclusive, health at every size approach. My guests and I will guide you through how to heal from digestive issues and hormonal imbalances, all while making peace with food and your body without obsession or restriction. Hey friends, and welcome back to another episode of the Real Talk with Dana podcast. So as you know, if you are listening to this, anytime in the next couple of weeks when it comes out, we're in a new month and that means there's a new theme for the next few podcast episodes. So in January, in case you missed it, we were discussing how to pursue health, healing, and feeling good without elimination diets, without restrictive protocols, or shame-based New Year's resolutions. So this month, February, we're going to be diving into stress and mental health, including adrenal health, burnout, and how to help heal the nervous system because uh, let's be honest, everybody needs a little bit of help with that after 2020 and in 2020. Let's be honest. So as we've talked about many times on the show, chronic stress or a chronically activated fight or flight sympathetic nervous system response can be a root cause for or a major contributing factor to so many health issues, including adrenal fatigue or cortisol resistance, as I've talked about it on this podcast, thyroid issues, gut issues, skin issues, anxiety and depression, and so many others. So let's dive right in. But before we dive in. First thing before we get started is I wanted to say a huge thanks to BetterHelp for sponsoring today's podcast and you guys the listeners. So real talk with Dana listeners can get 10% off their first month of online therapy at betterhelp.com/dana. That's better h e l p.com/d a n a. So on today's show, we are going to be talking about nervous system survival mode and how to get back to thriving. And our guest today is Nathan Chilton, who is a chiropractic and wellness coach specializing in the regulation of the nervous system and the body's stress response. So today we're going to be talking about the body's stress response and what happens when it becomes overtaxed by physical, mental, and emotional stressors. Nathan believes that people are stuck in survival mode most of the time. Let's be honest, probably everybody is right now, and he is super passionate about how helping people get from survival mode back to thriving. So let's jump right in. Nathan, thank you so much for coming on the show today. I'm really excited to chat. So I would love you to tell us more about yourself and what's your story. So how did you come to be where you are today as a chiropractor and wellness coach specializing in what you do now?
1: Well, thank you for having me. It's uh, my pleasure. Um, well, I've always been interested in the human body. Um, I grew up with a mum being sports therapist, so I always had books around the house, um, spines, anatomy books. So I've always had an interest in the human body. And chiropractically, I was playing basketball and injured my back at the age of 17, I think. And that's, that was my first experience um, seeing a chiropractor. Um, At this point, it was very mechanical, kind of pain-based approach. And then later on, um, I started studying sports science. Halfway through that degree, I was thinking, what am I going to do with my life? Decided to apply for chiropractic. Got into chiropractic in 2008, graduated in 2012. And then it wasn't really until after graduating that I started to really appreciate and understand what chiropractic is and what i could offer to people and it was more of a vitalistic wellness approach rather than a mechanical symptom approach so that's how i got into chiropractic um and i'm not back actually it's been a a blessing i'm truly grateful for it i don't really see it as work which i'm quite lucky lucky in that sense but it's uh it's changed my life but it's because of the power and how it changes other people's lives basically and it's about the philosophy of chiropractic is the body is able to heal itself if it is in the right environment and the nervous system is the system that processes the environment whether it be internally externally so working with a person with their spine to create ease in the system It's balancing that stress response, the sympathetic response and the parasympathetic response. And then when the body's in that state, it can do wonderful things. So, yeah, that's how I got into it. And that's why I'm extremely passionate about about the subject and about chiropractic.
0: Going back to what you said, um, you know, when you thought when you were a teenager and you got injured, that it was just, you know, physical manipulation and stuff like that. I think a lot of people assume that that's what chiropractic is. So talk a little bit more about how, um, let's actually, let's start with like, what are the biggest misconceptions about the chiropractic practice?
1: Yeah, that is a good way of approaching it actually. That's how I talk to patients about it. So chiropractic isn't just about um, treating pain or treating a condition and yes we can help with um, symptoms such as maybe as headaches sciatica um, shoulder pain elbow elbow pain but we are going from the approach of putting the body in a state of ease through a healthy functioning nervous system when your body is more parasympathetic dominant it is able to relax digest heal and do what it's supposed to do because as as a human as human beings we are designed to heal and self-regulate. We're not designed to accumulate ailments and pain and problems throughout life and never get better. So for example, you cut your finger, it heals on its own, as long as it's not a huge cut where you need stitches, but then still it will heal on its own after the stitches have aided your your help um, aided the cut. So that's how I explain it. Yes, we treat we we help conditions, we don't treat them. It's the body that does the healing when it's in a state of ease and, and that's why I'm really passionate probably the last two two years is the effect of stress and that fight-or-flight response because it is so um so linked to the function of the spine um, and a dysfunctional spine can create predominantly sympathetic patterns within the spine whether it be from physical stress emotional stress or, or chemical stresses they all have a stress on the nervous system
0: yeah so we talk about stress and the nervous system a lot on this podcast. So I love this topic. Um, And I'm sure that there are a lot of people that are like, oh yeah, well obviously if you have like a low back injury that's gonna be causing some stress. But talk about more of the like a mental, emotional side of things in relation to the spine or maybe different areas of the body and how that relates to chiropractic.
1: Yeah, perfect. So the example you used about the back pain. So yes, the pain itself can be a stress on the body, but normally a symptom And whatever that symptom may be, is your body letting you know that it can't deal with the current demands being put on your body, whatever that demand may be. So an emotional demand would be a situation going on in your life, for example, say breaking up with a loved one, that is gonna cause an emotional stress, it's gonna affect your thinking, your thought pattern. Your brain's a bit like a, a pharmacy, creates all the chemicals, as if your body was in a fight or flight situation. It doesn't know that um, when I say it, you doesn't know you're just breaking up with your partner, that is obviously a big thing, but it's different to being chased by a lion. Um, it doesn't know the difference. so that's that's an emotional stress that can have an effect on the nervous system. if that's repeated or there for for a length of time, you then get that that sympathetic or stress patterns in the spine and as a chiropractor, we're looking for tone in the spine, um tone in the the connective tissue, the fascia, the mus- muscles. Um, which let us know where the spine isn't functioning properly. So that's an example of an emotional stress um, having an effect. And like I said, it's that thought pattern. And uh, your body doesn't know if, th- if the thought is real or not real. The chemicals produced are just as powerful as if it was, say, for example, a tiger that people like to use this, or being chased by a woolly mammoth or whatever.
0: <laughs> awesome. Yeah, I don't know why everybody... Tends to go to tiger as opposed to yeah, you know, something else know. scary. I, I'm
1: scared of any beast running after me, the little dog or tiger or anything.
0: <laughs> so, okay. Speaking of stress and the nervous system, I know one of the things that you like to talk about is how people ought to be thriving and not stuck in survival mode. So when you're talking about it in this sense, what is survival mode and why are people stuck?
1: So survival mode is that fight or flight, um, it's your body perceiving a a threat. And the reason why we're so stuck in it, especially today with everything that's going on, but even get rid of the the current climate, everyday life. um, Maybe you're going to a job that you don't like, you're in an unhappy marriage, um, your car needs an MOT, you've just been sacked. All these stresses. That accumulate build up over time and when we were in a time period where we we're in an environment that was conducive for human beings whereas 2020 isn't really when we were cavemen or women, we had the threat and then our body was really good at regulating itself and then going back down to that parasympathetic state however we are so bombarded with the stress response our body almost gets primed to it almost gets addicted to that that stress response, and then the threshold between that fight or flight and that rest and digest gets smaller and smaller so we have less reserve to adapt to whatever's going on in the environment. So then we become stuck in that pattern and it just keeps getting primed, 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 unless you're actively trying to do something to activate that parasympathetic, Um, you might have heard the term vagal tone, increasing that vagal tone, which then increases that threshold again to give you more leeway when all these stressful things are being thrown, thrown your way.
0: Especially, you know, given the current climate, I mean, this is a completely different year, but I think people tend to forget that like we were already in a really stressed out state before everything happened this year. And this year has just been like a dumpster fire of like throwing even more problems onto what we already have. But I think, um, you know, I, I deal with a lot of people in my practice with, people that have like adrenal issues and, you know, whether you call it adrenal fatigue or cortisol resistance or really just being stuck in, you know, chronic fight or flight to where it starts to impact your nervous system and all these different physiological symptoms. I think one of the problems is that people become so not only like accustomed to this extremely stressful, sympathetic um, nervous system and just like so... Unendingly stressed out, like world of I have to keep going to the next thing. I have to be productive. I have to be all these things. That when you're then trying to practice this vagal toning or activating more of the parasympathetic nervous system, that people feel like they're doing something wrong or they're being wasteful or they're being lazy. When really it's just we're trying to get back to homeostasis and balance, but it feels like that's not something that we're supposed to be doing because we're constantly pushed with this culture of like, go, go, go productivity and constantly being thrown at all of these stressors from all angles.
1: Yeah, I couldn't agree more. Um, it it feels abnormal because it's just not done at all. And I think things like this should be even taught at schools really, um, along with lots of other things like mindset and controlling your thoughts. I, I wasn't really aware that you could control your thoughts probably until mid twenties. I can't remember really being told that, you have the power to control your thoughts, which is one of the most powerful things you you should know really growing up as, as a young child, really, because that's the only thing you really have complete control over. And that in itself is, is a great tool to help balance the nervous system. And just that awareness, that self-awareness is the foundation for trying to become more parasympathetic dominant, because when you are more aware more connected to yourself especially in that parasympathetic state and being in that state your outlook and perception is completely different to that fight or flight that sympathetic state which we're also used to but it's it just takes time effort and energy and again we're in a day and an age where everyone wants it quick you can click a button in amazon prime and get something delivered tomorrow and the patterns that we travel when i the the people that i see in practice and we're trying to change these patterns healing takes time and there isn't one process in the world that doesn't take time if you're working with a system that's predominantly been sympathetic driven for 25 years and um, it's not going to take a day or two or, or two weeks it's going to take months and months of persistence and practices put in place but it's uh it all starts with wanting to make a change
0: as well. Yeah. So when we're talking about this, you know, being stuck in this kind of survival mode, what are some of the different kinds of signs that someone might be stuck in this sympathetic dominant, um, you know, outlook or perception or just like existence, right? So from a chiropractic perspective, like physical signs, whether that's in, you know, the spine or it's in different parts of the body. And what about mental and emotional stuff too?
1: Yeah so a few things that we look for physically on the examination we're looking for tone of the muscle um, and connective tissue around the spine. Someone that is in that fight or flight response um, appears very tense and some people have different patterns of tension which we get to know as we're going through care Um, but the the main things that we see are kind of anxious, very fear driven, worry concerned um, seem very frustrated irritated um, as opposed to someone who is more parasympathetic which would be more calm connected settled appear more grounded and you can just tell with someone's energy and aura when you're used to kind of picking up on these these vibes if you like that they're just feel more grounded um, and they're more open more mindful and they're more present you can tell when someone's stressed or well, in that sympathetic state because they're not quite with it their eyes might be looking all over the place they they're very tense and it's because they're in that survival mode um which is their their body thinks they are in a place where they need to survive and save their life so the last thing they want is to be calm try and connect with someone and make new relationships they just want to kind of leave and go and it's amazing to see the transition between someone that comes to the practice like that and as we transition through care the complete change in someone's whole demeanor personality everything just from having a a better functioning nervous system
0: and it's funny because when you know that type of person who's sympathetic dominant tends to be stressed out all the time like mentally feels all over the place the worst possible thing that you can say to that person is like oh, just calm down, or like, oh, just relax. And they're like, are you kidding me? Like, I can just relax, you know, but those are the people that need to do it the most. Let's take a quick break to hear about today's sponsor, BetterHelp. So I'm really excited to be partnering with BetterHelp again this month because one, it's 2021 and life is crazy. And two, if this month's theme of stress management and burnout is really hitting home, it might be helpful to talk to a licensed professional to do a mental health check-in. BetterHelp's therapists can help you develop the tools to help deal with depression, anxiety, stress, relationships, working on your body, image and relationship with food, whatever you need. So if you don't want to or can't see a therapist in person Right now, hello, pandemic. Maybe you don't know how to go about finding a new one, or if in person therapy is really expensive in your area, like it is in most places, that's where BetterHelp can come in. BetterHelp is an online therapy platform that is 100% privacy protected, affordable, and provides professional counseling services from thousands of licensed, accredited, and board certified therapists. So to get started, you fill out an intake questionnaire and they match you up with your own therapist who you can see from your own home, either over the phone, over a privacy-protected video platform, or even a live messaging session if you don't want to be on camera. So the great thing is you can get connected with somebody in under 48 hours. So no more waiting for weeks to get an appointment with a therapist in your area who you haven't even met yet. BetterHelp's mission is to provide everyone with easy, affordable, and private access to professional counseling anytime. So again, Real Talk with Dana listeners can get 10% off your first month at betterhelp.com. That's Better, hel slash D-A-N-A. And now, back to the show. So how do these kinds of people get unstuck from survival mode and start to go towards thriving?
1: Awareness first. Some people, like you mentioned earlier, when you're in this state, you don't even realize that you're in this state because you're so primed to it. So it's all about... For me when people come to the practices obviously explain the nervous system first of all because most people like you say think it's just about back pain or headaches which it is we help with that but that's just scratching the surface it's letting educating them about the nervous system the difference between the two and that in itself you sometimes you get some light bulb moments where they're like oh that makes sense now and then once there's an awareness and they and you kind of know you can then start start to make change so that's kind of the first part of um, part of the care really is educating them what chiropractic is and um, explaining the connection between the two and what i do to help the nervous system but also what people can do straight away to have an impact and getting that balance in the nervous system simple things that we start is just deep breathing um, meditation um, even though it's your autonomic nervous system you have no control over there are things that you can kind of tap in and have conscious breath work to help stimulate that vagal tone, which is part of the, the break system on the stress response.
0: So let's talk a little bit more about mental health. So we've been talking about stress from a physical, mental, emotional standpoint. I want to go more towards the mental health side of things. So this is obviously something that people have been struggling with much more since the beginning of the pandemic. So what are some of the most effective ways that you've found for your clients to help them work on mental health this year?
1: So again, it stems to um, the, the balance of the nervous system. If someone's parasympathetic they're more connected to themselves um which is needed to help with mental issues stress anxiety because that's obviously all in that um, sympathetic state so it really is just helping them be aware and do practices to cultivate a more parasympathetic state and that in itself can help with mental issues because obviously my my degree uh, I'm not trained as such to diagnose mental issues, but having someone in a parasympathetic state, they are more connected to themselves, which means they're going to be more connected to their environment. They can process their environment better. They re- respond rather than react. So even just putting, allowing someone to take control, to put themselves in that state, they get a lot more clarity and certainty because Again, it's that fight or flight. If you're in that state, all you want to do is survive. You have your logical, your logical, rational thinking's out the window, your, your reptilian brain's firing overdrive. So it's, again, just cultivating that environment and giving people the, well, empowering people and giving them the tools to take responsibility for, for their own health um, and just being aware that they can make changes. And it, you don't have to do huge, huge things, small things, build up over time but it's just giving them responsibility and knowing that they can make a change i've found to help because people are just helpless at the minute so giving them hope and putting the power in their own hands has been quite a powerful thing and i've seen some really good results
0: yeah and i bet from a practitioner perspective when you see people come in and they're in this totally stressed out state. It's a lot harder for them to be in the moment and have that mind-body connection and to be able to, you know, like let you work on them. I mean, imagine it's a lot harder to help someone with what they're dealing with, you know, physically, if they're such a like stress ball that you can't even get in there.
1: Yeah, it, exactly that. And there's there's different adjustments we do and it's all about adjusting the right segment at the right time. And, yeah, there are lots of different techniques we can do to, to help facilitate that. But, yeah, you're right. If someone is completely stressed and their sympathetic tone and their back is completely rigid, then there are techniques that we can help, which include kind of breath work, very light touch just to get the, the nervous system responding to, to the input, basically. And sometimes with, with chiropractic, less is often more. Um, And it is a process that takes time. But yeah, you're right. When someone comes in and they're stiff as a board, it's going to take a a, a bit more time than say someone that's already very mindful, relaxed. um, And in that parasympathetic state, they're going to respond at different rates because their environments are completely different.
0: Yeah. So speaking of how less can be more, especially if someone is like a stress ball, right? Or my friend would call like a spaz. Um, (laughs) Can you talk about exercise versus movement and how movement, but not necessarily exercise can be a powerful tool for mental health.
1: Yeah. um, Any kind of movement. So exercise is obviously when you're trying to exercise for a specific sport. I think that's the definition of it. I think Um, movement, any movement is good. And whether you favor Pilates, yoga, walking, anything, it's, any movement that causes your muscle to contract is, is the, the whole point. We're designed to move as human human beings. We're not designed to be sat because it's the, the action of the contraction of muscles, however you contract that muscle, insert whatever movement you want, it releases um, peptides, proteins that then affect every single system in the body. Um, and that is the power of movement. And that's why kind of the quote movement is medicine, I feel should be, um, Talked about more because I don't think people relate exercise movement to looking good aesthetically when really it's it's so much deeper than that. And any type of movement, because obviously people have their, their favorites and preferences, it's the act the, the the action of the contraction of the muscle releases proteins, peptides into the blood, and then that affects your immune system, your respiratory system, cardiovascular system. Those molecules go to the brain. Um, And that's why exercise makes you feel better, endorphins, et cetera. So that is the power of movement. And I've been talking about it a lot more actually, because people are so unaware of that. I think if people knew that, they'd be like, oh shit, I think I should um, be moving more. Whether that be walking, playing a sport, lifting weights, gymnastics, it doesn't really matter. We just need to be moving.
0: I think it's interesting, too, because um, with, you know, a lot of listeners in this podcast and just the general audience that we're speaking to here is like so many people come from a history of tying exercise and movement so closely to, you know, their weight and their aesthetics and everything like that, that it becomes either like an obs- obsession for some or it becomes a roadblock for other people and that movement has become disconnected from mental health emotional health you know at the very basic cellular level you know releasing proteins and peptides and increasing different things in the brain and everything like that you know people talk about endorphins but it goes so much beyond that as well and I think when it becomes so tied to you know like exercise equals body then people have a lot of hang-ups about that so I think one way to become more in tuned with like okay well you know what kind of movement is going to benefit me the most today from physical mental emotional health perspective i think that's a really great way to think about it by giving that other you know way of thinking about it that it's not bodies equal the amount of exercise that you do it goes so much more beyond that
1: Yeah, definitely it should just be simple as in insert the movement you want to do it should be a non-negotiable you should be you should be doing some kind of movement daily for the health of your body but the the foundation of the movement but well, what m- majority of your movement should be from the standpoint i'm going to move because my body is designed to move it needs movement to function and thrive yes i'm also going to do exercise which might be to get bigger biceps bigger chest bigger legs etc or to train for a sport but then we should have that movement that's a foundation to well, part of part of the one of the pillars of health, like we should be moving well, um, on a daily basis.
0: Yeah, with whatever feels good.
1: Exactly, so- whatever feels yeah, for, very individual. You shouldn't be you shouldn't be put in um, boxes.
0: Right, exactly. There should be no shoulds around this stuff. So, one other thing that I wanted to ask you about that I know you've talked about before is what is toxic positivity?
1: Toxic positivity. So, it's when. I think this is right anyway. It's my definition anyway. <laughs> it's, um, it's when you're too positive all the time. It's, it's unrealistic to think that you can be positive all the time um, because, as we know, shit happens. And I think 2020 has proven that. But I've had enough shit happening in my life to realise that shit does happen. And if you are too positive all the time and don't prepare yourself um, for the inevitable you're not creating a good foundation and a basis of resilience because it's unrealistic and um, which isn't to say when the bad things happen you you ignore them but but to think that they're not going to happen and be positive all the time that is unrealistic and that in itself can create uh, health or mental health issues for people when they think they should be positive all the time you should have practices in there to be more positive or tip you on the scales of positivity but at the same time you have to appreciate that there will be negative things in your in your life um that you're going to have to deal with but it's having practices in place to deal with them as well and as healthily and as emotionally as you can to then tip you back to kind of the positive scale
0: yeah and so you know one of the tools that you talked about that you do talk about to try and get through that is Having a positive mindset to transform the way we respond to negative situations, but without the toxic positivity. So what does that look like? If
1: So it's about awareness and there's a, a term called emotional ag- agility that you need to accept the negative things. So rather than kind of sweep it under the carpet and just ignore it, if it's something that causes an emotion or something that you, you class as negative pause think on it for a second and then try and think of it from that r- rational thought process rather than again that fight or flight response which is very reactive you just want to be able to to respond to it and it all for me it all boils down to kind of my self-care practices which keep me grounded more connected to myself connected to the outer environment, being more mindful, compassionate, and and curious and open, Um, having that as well as understanding everything isn't gonna be smelling like roses all the time, you are better equipped to deal with it. But saying that there's always gonna be something that you're not, it's just just gonna happen, and no matter what you do or prepare for it, but even then, if you are coming from a place of being more grounded calm connected you are going to be able to deal with it come up with a plan move forward quicker than if you just bumble through life thinking yeah i'm going to be positive going to be positive going to be positive and then any negative things are going to throw you off your track and it's going to be a lot harder for you to get back on the track so it's basically preparation not to fail but just preparation knowing that shit happens
0: <laughs> right well especially with this year if we've learned nothing else we've definitely learned that <laughs>
1: 100%.
0: 100%. <laughs> Love that. Well, thank you so much for coming on today. This has been a really cool conversation. I know people will take a lot from it, especially about, you know, the parasympathetic versus sympathetic nervous system. So tell people where they can find you if they want to learn more about you.
1: They can find me on Instagram and my handle is Chilton Chiropractic and same for Facebook, Chilton Chiropractic. And they're the two main ones and that I use. I will be starting a YouTube <laughs> channel. Um, I'm just in the process of doing that. Um, awesome. I think, I'm not even sure. I think my handle for that is just Nathan Chilton, actually. Nice and simple. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, we'll put it in the show notes when you get it. Yeah. Perfect. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you again for coming on.
1: My pleasure. Thank you for having me.
0: Hey there. Thanks for listening to The Real Talk with Dana podcast with me, your host, Dana, obviously. And I just wanted to say, you're the best. If you enjoyed the show, please share it with your family and friends, maybe send a five-star rating and review on iTunes or wherever you listen to your podcasts. Why would you do that, you ask? Because this helps more people find the show so that we can spread the food and body peace word, break down diet culture, and the unrealistic beauty standards that make us all feel like we need to shrink ourselves with food and exercise in order to be worthy in the world, which sucks for discussion on the show episodes if you want to request a guest or ask a question if you'd like some support please join the non-diet community on facebook which is a free group where you can go get some community and support i'll see you over there and see you next week